Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. I'm Katrina Blowers. And amid all the heartbreaking details of the escalation in the Israel-Gaza conflict, both sides have been calling out the other for enacting war crimes. So in this episode, we're going to look at what each is alleging and what a war crime actually is, what the rules of conflict are under international law and how it gets enforced. In warfare, you uh, can only target military objectives. Uh, You've got to spare excessive civilian casualties when conducting warfare. Uh, And it also imposes a whole lot of limits on the kinds of tactics you can use and the weapons that you can use as well. That's Ben Saul, who's a professor in international law, and he's going to explain the responsibilities and obligations of groups and nations during warfare and what incentive there is to even obey them. First, though, let's bring in Tom Tilly. He's joining me for today's headlines. It is Tuesday, the 24th of October. Hello, Katrina. Hello, listeners. Uh, Microsoft is set to invest $5 billion into Australia in the next two years. They'll partner with our spy agency and bolster hyperscale cloud capabilities, AI and cybersecurity, whilst also giving digital skills training to 300,000 Aussies. The Cybersecurity Centre in Australia recently found that One threat is reported on average in Australia every seven minutes. So there's a lot of cybersecurity threats going on. This investment will be announced by the Prime Minister who's in Washington. Uh, He's there working on our relationship with the US in general, but specifically um, working to get the AUKUS nuclear submarine deal back on track. It's been struggling, Katrina, because of um, a bit of argy-bargy in Congress where Republicans worried about selling some of the subs to us, the Virginia-class ones, which was part of the deal. We're seeing quite a few announcements coming out of this visit so far. I mean, yesterday we had talk about the wine tariffs um, being lifted, potentially China lifting those. So Anthony Albanese is, is certainly all action and looking to get some wins on the board after the voice referendum. Israel has escalated their aerial bombardment of Gaza, also launching preliminary raids inside Gaza to try and weed out Hamas militants. Israel says it's targeting Hamas, including tunnels and infrastructure. The conflict is spreading, though, with the UN saying more than 19,000 people have been displaced in southern Lebanon as violence continues to escalate on the border. It's as the humanitarian crisis deepens, with the main UN agency helping Palestinians in Gaza saying they've only got a couple of days now to operate without fuel. Israel is not allowing fuel in because it could be commandeered by Hamas and fuel is needed for the desalination plant, hospitals and food distribution. Uh, You'll hear about that in our briefing topic today, whether or not holding back things like fuel is considered a Mm. war crime. So, Tom, 20 more trucks carrying vital humanitarian aid passed the Rafah crossing from Egypt into Gaza uh, late yesterday. Yeah, and in the UK, the Prime Minister there, Rishi Sunak, has joined the US in supporting Israel's account of that hospital strike, um, saying it was likely caused by a missile from within Gaza. Early reports were quoting Hamas accounts that it was actually the Israelis who were responsible for that hospital attack. Um, But now more and more people are coming out saying, no, it's likely um, 
as the British PM saying, that it came from within Gaza. And I just noticed this morning that the New York Times has just published an apology um, for initially putting too much prominence on those reports from the Hamas militants and not actually taking the time to properly check who was responsible for this attack. Wow, that is a really interesting development in terms of media reporting of Mm. this conflict. It is definitely a move that uh, is done to build trust because there is so much misinformation swirling around and things happening so quickly it is difficult to know um, often several days down the track what has actually occurred. So, yeah, I'm... I'm hugely impressed by the New York Times for doing that. Well, you should read the comments. People are so angry that they made that mistake because they say that led to pro-Palestinian protests around the world, protesting what they thought was an Israeli bombardment of that hospital, which turns out not to be the case. So, yeah, they're saying, look, thanks for the apology, but the damage has been done. And Britney Spears is releasing a memoir today. Uh, It's called The Woman in Me. It's a reference to one of her hits. You might remember, Katrina, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Um, So there's been so much anticipation around this memoir because after she got out of her conservatorship in 2021, I think we were all waiting for the big sit-down interview, uh, you know, Harry and Meghan style, sit down with Oprah or, you know, another big TV show in the US, but she hasn't done that. And so... A lot of the story, a lot of the details that we don't know about are expected to be in this book. Yeah, some have been leaked already, though. Um, an apparent um, abortion that she had when she fell pregnant with Justin Timberlake's baby. Um, apparently also JT dumped her with a two-word text. Those two words mm. haven't been revealed. I've been going through them in my brain of all the things that it could have been. Um, also, she had a, a steamy, I think it was a two-week fling with actor Colin Farrell. So, I mean, they often release a bit of juice in the lead-up to a, a, a memoir hitting the shelves, but I'm hoping that there's going to be a lot more substance in it than that. I will definitely be reading this. Mm-hmm. I love me a good celebrity memoir. Another one that's coming out soon is Jada Pinkett Smith's and that's going to have a lot of um, very interesting detail about her relationship breakdown with Will Smith. So yeah, this is part of a push by publishers. Apparently a lot of people were reading books during the pandemic and book sales have really dropped off and that's why they are hot on this uh, celebrity memoir trend. Mm. Well, apparently Victoria Beckham is in talks um, to do her own documentary after the David Beckham documentary did so well. Um, so there's another celebrity um, pouring their heart out. It was interesting in that documentary that it didn't tell more of her story. Her side, yeah, mm. which I think needs to be told. Um, I inhaled that documentary and I would also be keen to hear more of Victoria's side of the story because I think she kept a lot of stuff stuffed deep down inside and she still looks pretty angry about it. (laughs) Mm, Needs to be told, yeah. Um, Yes. I'm not sure if it's the, you know, most important story that needs to be told, but I would say I probably actually would watch it. And with everything else going on in the world, these kinds of stories are the best distraction possible. Uh, Speaking of which, let's get into our briefing topic today. It is all about what is a war crime and how they get enforced. 
As the Israel-Gaza conflict deepens and casualties rise, both sides are accusing the other of failing to properly distinguish between civilian and military targets and of breaking international humanitarian law. War crimes, targeted attacks on civilian infrastructure. It amounts to ethnic cleansing. The war crime of forcible transfer. These are acts of pure terror. A murderer and a war criminal. The UN Secretary General has reminded both sides that even war has rules. So in today's briefing, everything you need to know about war crimes. Ben Saul is a professor of international law at the Uni of Sydney who's been analysing what has gone on so far. Ben, thanks for joining us. Before we get into the specifics of what could constitute a war crime on both sides in this current conflict, can you give us a brief history of international law regulating warfare? When and why was it formulated? So the international law of armed conflict uh, goes back uh, over 150 years and it was really designed to try to humanise war by preventing uh, the worst effects of violence uh, against particularly civilians uh, but even against soldiers. So uh, obviously you can't torture soldiers or or, uh, use chemical weapons against them Uh, And for the civilian population, obviously, they need to be protected from the hostilities between the warring parties. So when we hear about the Geneva Convention, um, explain for us how this applies. Is this something that came down the line? So the Geneva Conventions were adopted in 1949 after the Second World War, which was a a war in which uh, over 50 million people were killed. So it was really a a wake-up call for all governments to try to come up with new and better rules to protect people uh, in war. Uh, Almost every country in the world is a party to those conventions uh, and they contain a whole lot of really basic rules which uh, accord with fundamental human values. Uh, like you must not target civilians deliberately uh, in warfare. You uh, can only target military objectives. Uh, You've got to spare excessive civilian casualties when conducting warfare. Uh, And it also imposes a whole lot of limits on the kinds of tactics you can use and the weapons that you can use as well. Then there are uh, rules against things like hostage taking uh, on the protection and humane treatment of prisoners. Uh, So it really tries to comprehensively regulate all aspects of warfare. So both Hamas and Israel claim that they haven't been targeting civilians. You've been analysing the claims and counterclaims through this lens of international humanitarian law. Um, Can we begin with Hamas and what possible breaches might have occurred? I think on the on the Hamas side, it's uh, easier to identify breaches because uh, it was so uh, overt what they were deliberately trying to do. They uh, murdered, it seems, uh, about twelve hundred people in their attack on on Israel. Murder is a is a war crime under international law. They took about two hundred hostages, which is also a war crime. They've detained people uh, illegally. They seem to have used human shields to try to uh, deter Israel from attacking places in Gaza where some of those hostages might be held. Uh, It seems like they've tortured or otherwise ill-treated some of their captives. Sexual violence uh, seems to have been a, a thing as well. 
Um, and even the mutilation or, or desecration of corpses has been reported in, in some cases. Uh, the other big one, of course, is Hamas has fired thousands of rockets into Israel. And under international law, there's a, a prohibition on what we call indiscriminate attacks, which means attacking in a way or, or using a weapon which fails to uh, distinguish between legitimate military targets and civilians. And the problem with these rockets is that they are so inaccurate that even if Hamas were trying to attack an Israeli military target, uh, the rockets are incapable of accurately hitting that target uh, and therefore are, are equally likely to strike uh, civilians along the way. I'd also uh, suggest that uh, Hamas's attack was also the war crime of uh, intentionally spreading terror amongst a civilian population by all of those methods of violence I, I, just, I just mentioned could also be some crimes against humanity, uh, which include many of those acts I already mentioned. Uh, a crime against humanity is a, is a widespread or systematic attack on a civilian population. Uh, and certainly the scale of this attack would, uh, would put it in that ballpark. All right, let's um, look at the Israeli side now. What are some of the possible war crimes that could have occurred there? I think the most obvious one is that Israel has a, an obligation to allow the rapid and unimpeded uh, humanitarian relief into Gaza uh, to support the two million or so uh, civilians who are in uh, desperate need uh, of all those things which are essential to civilian survival. Now, the problem is uh, in the last two weeks, Israel declared what it called a complete siege of Gaza, not allowing anything in. So no food, no water, uh, no medicine, none of the things which are really essential to sustain uh, a civilian population. Now, in the last day or two, they've let in uh, a very small number of trucks, uh, but nothing like what is required uh, to sustain a, a civilian population of over 2 million people. Uh, now, starvation, uh, if that's the, the, the aim of what Israel is, is doing, uh, is a war crime under, uh, under international law. Uh, it could also be a breach of the prohibition on what we call collective punishment of civilians uh, under humanitarian law. And that is if this is designed to retaliate against Palestinian civilians living in Gaza uh, somehow because of their uh, support for Hamas or to put pressure on them to put pressure on Hamas to stop fighting or to surrender, uh, then that could well constitute collective punishment under under international law. Israel also gave a, a warning to people in, Ga in North Gaza to leave to the south uh, originally within 24 hours. Uh, there is an obligation on Israel to warn civilians of impending attacks. Uh, but those warnings have to be effective. And, of course, expecting over a million people, including uh, the elderly, persons with disabilities, young children, wounded and injured people in hospitals or at home, expecting all of them to move uh, under incredibly dangerous circumstances of continuing Israeli bombardment uh, in a very short space of time uh, is clearly not an effective warning uh, enabling civilians to leave safely within a within a reasonable time. Israel, of course, has been, uh, it says, targeting Hamas and a whole lot of military uh, objectives 
within Gaza. It is harder to assess whether those attacks are legal or not because we don't have so much information uh, about what the Israeli uh, planners or, or military targeters uh, are thinking when they make those decisions. Um, uh, as I said, yeah, they must only uh, target military objectives, but that doesn't mean that they are not allowed to cause any civilian casualties. What humanitarian law says is that uh, you can't launch an attack on a military target if it would cause excessive civilian casualties relative to the military advantage or importance of that military target. Uh, so it really depends on, you know, uh, Israel's fired over 6,000 bombs at, at Gaza. Each one of those strikes, you'd need to know more about uh, what was the military objective Israel was targeting, what kind of information it had about that target. Uh, the question is whether the civilian casualties would be excessive, uh, given what the military purpose of that strike is. Israel has been using very large munitions or bombs. Uh, it hasn't been giving specific warnings to civilians of particular strikes in the way it has in, in previous conflicts. Uh, we know that there has been lots of collateral damage to great masses of infrastructure in Gaza. Uh, so I, I, I think there's a real question whether Israel has taken sufficient care uh, and whether there probably should be independent, uh, credible investigations to determine whether Israel has violated the law. Yeah, so in, in order to inform that investigation, who is collecting and preserving the evidence right now? Certainly under international law, the, the primary obligation is on each of the state parties to ensure that their own forces respect international law. That includes uh, ensuring that they have appropriate legal advice in place when they're deciding about what targets to attack. It requires them to discipline their own forces if they exceed the law, including through criminal prosecution. Uh, and one of the problems here is, uh, I mean, obviously Hamas, but also Israel, uh, has a, a, an extremely poor record at disciplining its own forces, certainly in the past, uh, for what seem to be clear violations of international law, as found by uh, independent investigations. Um, in this conflict, uh, of course, the International Criminal Court has been investigating the situation in Palestine since 2015. Uh, unfortunately, that investigation seems to be proceeding uh, very slowly. Yeah, so given the time lag in regards to these these sorts of investigations and, and the difficulty for enforcement, when it comes to breaching international humanitarian law, what is of greater consequence historically? Criminal accountability or is it reputational damage? I think it's a, a mix of both. So we, we certainly know from the research that the credible threat of sanctions, that is prosecution and going to jail, uh, does act as a real deterrent to soldiers in the field uh, from committing war crimes. Obviously, reputational damage uh, also is an important one. I, I mean, most countries want to be seen as a, uh, as a legitimate member of the uh, international community. If they don't play by the rules if they don't respect the most fundamental uh, humanitarian rules of all cultures and civilizations, which is you can't just murder uh, innocent civilians, uh, you can't take hostages to try to win some kind of political advantage, that these are things that uh, in all wars and all times are always forbidden. 
So when could we see prosecutions happen if they were to occur uh, and where would it take place? It's generally more common to prosecute after the conflict ends because uh, you know that's the time at which it, it might be somewhat easier to conduct prosecutions. So certainly to the extent that Israel captures any Hamas uh, fighters or, or militants, it, of course, could put them on, on trial when its legal system is uh, is in a position to do that. In terms of the Israelis, uh, I mean, they should be expected and, and pressured by other states to hold their own forces account in their own national courts. But if they fail to do that, then I think that's the point at which other states should back the International Criminal Court uh, investigation. Well, this is certainly a very complex area and we so appreciate your time this morning uh, helping us navigate it and make a little more sense of this area. Professor Ben Saul, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Listener.